Kyle Brandt's Basement is brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. Cheers, everybody. Welcome to Kyle Brandt's Basement. Great show today. Lots to talk about in the middle of what is going to be the best NFL week of the season thus far. It's also the last Kyle Brandt's Basement show of the week. Why? Because I am getting on a plane tomorrow at LaGuardia, and I'm flying to Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to spend the long weekend in Memphis, Tennessee, my younger brother's bachelor party extravaganza in the South by way of SEC football is going to be this weekend. Uh, I will tell you all about it. It's our What's Hilarious today. It's really funny. We're also going to talk about, again, I said week six is freaking loaded in the NFL. Sometimes, last week, you have like, can we get one good game? This week, we got five, six. I'm going to pick my best three. Uh, Dak Prescott's not starting. We are in the middle of spin the ball week. If you followed yesterday's show with Jerry Jones, all kinds of things to talk about. And we have an update on Neil deGrasse Tyson, Mr. Smarty Pants, talking about Top Gun Maverick and proven wrong by someone with more credibility than he has. We know we're going to get into that. But in the meantime, here we go. Let's do our shot. Go to Skycam. Go to Skycam. With the buttery touch from the free throw line. Ow, come on. In and out. It's been a rough week with the free throw. Every one, I'm, I'm, I'm goosenecking this thing, and it just falls out, and I'm in a cold streak again, and I'm pissed off about it. But here's what I like anyway. Let's do it. What I love, what I hate, and what's hilarious. Start the show. I told you, great NFL week, great one. This is not one of those where you're like, oh my God, how many Commanders Panthers games do we have to sit through? I love you, Scott Hansen, but I'm bored to tears here. No, no, this is just an awesome one. In fact, so much that we're going to take a little bit of what we do on the Sunday night show and do it right here on Wednesday. Right, Wednesday. Look like a little podium. Third place, second place, first place. First thing I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to zag here and I'm just going to take Cowboys Eagles off. They're not on the podium. I've talked about them a lot already. I'm going to talk about them a lot in the future. You know how I feel about Cooper Rush, who apparently is starting. They just straight out said, Cooper Rush starting this week. Let's go, baby. We're going to have Bedlam if Cooper Rush manages to unseat the undefeated Eagles and plays well. And then we'll get into all sorts of BS about why Dak's not playing. But we're going to set them aside. Talk about them a lot. Uh, number three, the game that I love of the top three games of week six NFL action. Ravens-Giants. Ravens-Giants. I like this one a lot. First of all, it is bat bleep insane, the idea that the New York Giants in 2022 could go to 5-1, and one, which is what they're looking at right now. And I also like, on the inside football thing, I am so here for and so hungry for the Wink Martindale versus Lamar Jackson game within the game. Follow this now, Don Wink Martindale, longtime defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens. There's some really good years, great years. This is the Lamar MVP year, uh, the Lamar Ascension year. Lamar was doing a lot of great things, but they're in the playoffs and they're winning their division because they were having the second best defense, first best defense in a lot of cases. Just an awesome, awesome defense in many different categories. Their defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale. Then last year, everything falls apart. The defense is not good, it's, it plummets, really. And Lamar gets hurt, a lot of people get hurt in the preseason, Marcus Peters, some other guys and the defense just falls apart. The Ravens fire their defensive coordinator. He's, he's gone. A lot of people felt, man, one bad year with a lot of injuries, you're just going to let him go? The players love this guy. This guy's great. Fine. 
goes to the Giants, and now, of course, he's absolutely on fire. The Giants are 4-1 and one despite having, like, no passing game. All their receivers are either terrible or hurt. They have a Superman running back and an injured Duke quarterback who's just making it work. It's because their defense is playing really well. It's a huge part of it. So, you got Don Wink Martindale going up against the Ravens, up against the team that fired him a year ago, up against the quarterback in Lamar that he's going to know better than any defensive coordinator in the league. And it's going to be Blitz City. I'm trying to see if I could bring up this stat that I saw that I thought was amusing. Like, against the Packers... uh, Oh, yeah, here it is. This is from Ted Nguyen. I saw this on Twitter. Wink blitzed Aaron Rodgers 60% of the dropbacks in the fourth quarter. Now, that's Rodgers, who's seen everything. MVP, just like the best there is. Just blitzed the bejesus out of him. 60% of the time, just sent him. Including, was both, both his starting corners were hurt, and they went after him. What do you think he's going to do to Lamar? Who is the, the, way less experienced than Rodgers. Totally different skill set. He can run like crazy, but like it's tough to blitz Rodgers. It, they're going to set the record for blitzes in a game. He's going to, it's just first down, second down, third down. Send it, send it, send it. Great game to watch. And the Ravens got off the mat last week. Now, the Ravens are totally alive. They got a really, really clutch win. They needed it. They're alive. But, man, the Giants, I'm telling you, if they get to 5-1, and one, unthinkable. I'll say it again. 5-1, and one, and most people in that organization, if you said through six games you'll be 3-3, three and three, they would cut off one of their fingers to be 3-3. Three and three. With that team and those expectations... Five and one, but they got to get through the Ravens. I love that. That's game number three in the What I Love Week Six NFL slate. Number two, Jets Packers. Hell yes, this is the weirdest matchup. You just don't see a lot of Jets Packers games, AFC NFC. You don't see the New York Jets go to Lambeau Field very often. It's very strange. Can you think off the top of your head a lot of notable Aaron Rodgers versus the Jets moments? I can. There's a lot of connective tissue. The head coach, the Matt Lafleur. And Mikey LaFleur on the Jets, Sala and Rodgers have had battles way back to when those Niners teams would give Rodgers a lot of trouble. And two years ago, this, take me to the 2021 preseason. 2020, so two seasons ago. The Packers and the Jets got together in one of those August things where they have the joint practices. And every single account from every beat writer, Jets and Packers, were they don't belong on the same field. If the Packers were playing the Jets week one, they would win 63 to nothing. The drills are embarrassing. The seven-on-seven is embarrassing. The one-on-one is embarrassing. This Jets team is not even close to playing the same sport as the Packers. Now, we know the Packers went on to win the North, and Rodgers got another MVP. So here we are two years later. The Jets are 3-2. and two. They're on fire in the Jets' sense of it. 3-2 and two is 13-0 and 0 for the New York Jets. They're very excited. And do you imagine now, like, we're, we're starting to see these, like, these... There was this sort of, I don't know, maybe if it was built up to be nothing or not, but the Jair Alexander, Aaron Rodgers afterwards, back and forth, a little bit of a come correct. I don't talk about losing, and we don't do that around here. It's a little bit of negativity, and with the Packers, it was a tough loss over there in London. Jets are all positive. Quinn and Williams is picking up the fumble and blasting Tyreek Hill, Robert Sala's beloved. And I've always said this about Matt LaFleur. I do find it very interesting that he gets accused of just being a passenger on the Rodgers Express. And he comes into the league, and Rodgers is in his prime, and Matt LaFleur is good. He's a nice guy, and he's got immaculate eyebrows, but just ride the Rodgers thing. Ride that missile. The Rodgers Express is not the Rodgers Express right now. It just isn't. That's not an MVP quarterback based on a lot of things, 90% of which are what's around him. So is Matt LaFleur a great coach? Is, and I know he has the record, and everyone wants to throw that in front of you. No coach has ever started their career like this. I think he's a pretty good coach. I don't know if he's a great coach. I have no idea. A lot of people thought Mike McCarthy was a great coach. 
Then he goes to Dallas, and he wasn't, and now who the hell knows, maybe he is again. I just want to see Matt LaFleur and what he's made of. Because if he loses this week again, and they lose to a Jets team that is certainly up and coming, but raw, young, and never really been in these types of big games, we'll have some questions about the Packers, but more importantly, we get a lot of answers about the Jets. I like that. But my number one game, come on, you know where we're going. The sequel. We're going to Super Bowl 56 and a half. We're going to Bills Chiefs, Arrowhead, 4 o'clock, late window. Not a primetime game. You would think, oh, Bills, Chiefs, how the hell is this not on Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football? From my understanding is that the way this works, the different networks have their different ways of getting assigned different games, and there's certain ways in which networks can claim a game where they have a choice or a number of choices or a single choice where this game is ours. We want this game. And CBS, having covered the AFC, and that's their, their bread and butter, they said, we want Bills Chiefs. Now, CBS does a new primetime game, so that's why it's at 4 o'clock, which I think is cool. It's not going to be the whole Sunday night thing on NBC or MNF. It's just your standard late window game at Arrowhood, Bills Chiefs, not under the lights, but it's so big. You know, we, we had Josh on last week. Not last week. We have him on every week. We had him on yesterday. And he has a funny relationship where with that with the Chiefs in the sense that He's really not here to talk about the playoff loss last year. He's talked about it. He moved on from it. And he's not really here to talk about 13 seconds, overtime, coin toss. In our first conversation this season, when he came in the basement for the first time, I kind of jokingly said, you know, what are the things you hate talking about? What are the... What are the questions that make you roll your eyes? And he's like, well, I don't have a lot of bugaboos, but, you know, the overtime thing against the Chiefs I'm kind of done with, he's over it. And so now here we are, and it's back back to Arrowhead, and that stuff's going to come up all week. In the press conferences, online, everything, it's, it's, it's going to come up. And if the Bills lose this game, there develops this thing where, you know, they're a great team. They're, they're strong and they have a future, but, man, you know what? You want your bugaboo. Your bugaboo is the Chiefs. It's bugaboo is Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I was asked this morning, you know, what's, what's going to be the reason one of these teams wins this game? And as much as we love Allen and, Allen and Mahomes, the Kelsey thing is massive. Even more massive than you might think. We all get it. Kelsey's a star. He dominates every single week. He's coming off a game in which they were down 17 to nothing. And he delivered four touchdowns to win the game. Do you know his last four games against the Bills? Now think about this. In the overtime game... In the playoffs, he scores the game-winning touchdown. He does the damage on 13 seconds. He kills him at the end, but it's not just that. In Travis Kelsey's last four games against the Buffalo Bills, he has 32 catches, 336 yards, and six touchdowns. Four games. He averages eight catches a game and over a touchdown per game. So Mahomes is going to be great, and Josh is going to be great, and Diggs and all that. they got to stop Kelsey somehow because I don't think the Chiefs can win this game if Kelsey is just as a modest contribution or is held in check. I just that the Bills are too powerful. It's a great game though. I was looking back, I was looking back in the, the divisional game. I saw this thing about just let's just not forget the divisional round, Bills at Arrowhead. And for some reason they always play at Arrowhead. I, I correct me if I'm wrong, the Chiefs have not been to Buffalo, right? They lost the title game in Arrowhead. They played in the regular season last year in which the Bills won and then they went back in the divisional round again and the Chiefs won. So, the division round, though, at Arrowhead. Minute 54 in the game, Bills are up three. Minute and two seconds left in the game, Chiefs are up four. 13 seconds left in the game, Bills are up three. Triple zeros, it's tied. Overtime, Chiefs win by six. So, basically, in the last minute 54 seconds, you're talking about five changes. 
in the lead or a tie. Minute 54, not in the last five minutes, in less than two minutes. It was awesome. And I hope we even get part of that right now. Got to do something about Kelsey. Matt Milano's, Justin Poyer, those types of dudes. Kelsey's everything. And we talked to Josh about it yesterday. I said, you know, how, did, how are they so good at coming back? You watched Monday Night Football last night. They were down 17 to nothing. The Bills have had games where they're up on them, and the Chiefs have come back and won. The Bills have had games where they're up on them, and they put them away. So how do you put them away? Why are they so good at coming back? And Josh is like, well, I think you know. I think it's Mahomes and Kelsey. Kelsey's incredible. I'm golf buddies with those guys in the offseason, but they're amazing players, and they are. That's the number one game. That's not only the number one game of this weekend. That's the number one game of the regular season slate. Everyone can ooh and ah about the Russell Wilson returning to Seattle week one. Who cares? Josh Allen returning to Arrowhead Sunday, 4 o'clock. Can't wait. That's what I love. But speaking of the AFC West, though, rip from the headlines right now. Let's get into what I hate. Devontae Adams, number 17 for the Las Vegas Raiders, has now been charged with misdemeanor assault this morning for the push, for the push after the Raiders-Chiefs game. Um, He pushed the dude, who is now 29 years old, you come to find out, to the ground. This is according to the report that's out there. All the rap reports of the world are tweeting it. Pushing the defendant to the ground using two hands, causing whiplash and headache possible minor concussion due in court uh, November 10th. So let's just unwrap this thing. It went from an ugly incident on his way off the field to now it is a legal matter. There are files, there are forms, they are online, there is court, there are attorneys. This is a mess. And I think before we get into that, I've been trying really hard to get into Devante's head over the past 24 hours about what he must have been thinking. Let's take a step back to that moment where he shoved this guy. Let's do the origin story for the psychology of how this happened. So Devontae Adams, he's in college playing football and he has a prolific career at Fresno. And as we've come to find out this year, his quarterback is his best friend and they have a great bond and they do great things there and just a wonderful time and just great football's amazing. We win and my best buddy's here and I'm a great player. Second round draft pick to the Green Bay Packers, one of the great organizations in which he gets to immediately jump in in the prime of a quarterback's career, Aaron Rodgers, and they just hit the ground running. The teams are always good. They always matter. They're always winning and he's contributing right away. He's not the stud. He's not the monster he is now, but Immediately, you know, this guy has it and he progresses. He gets a few years in. He gets better and better. Rodgers starts to trust them. They really become a thing. He's becoming one of the better wide receivers in the league. Things are just going great. He gets a big, big contract extension from the Raiders, or from the Packers, rather. A few years ago, I think it was like 58 million bucks. And now he's starting to get talked about as like, well, Devontae is, you know, he's a top five guy and he's becoming a star right in front of us. Everything's great. He, from what I understand, he's got this nice family and he's got his California and his Vegas roots and he's in Wisconsin, but he's just, it's, everything's going perfectly. Football's great. Family's great. The money's great. And then he becomes maybe the best receiver in the league. And the only slight against him in his whole experience is that, well, the Packers lose in the playoffs, but it's never his fault. It always gets pinned on Rodgers and it really isn't his fault. Then he comes to this point in his career where, man, everybody thinks he's the best receiver in the league. And, and meanwhile, the media loves him. The fans love him. He's classy, he's thoughtful, he's respectful, 
He looks cool. He talks cool. He's just, he's almost like perfect. Then he comes to this crossroads in his career and he decides, you know what? I'm going to go play with that old buddy from college. I'm going to go and I'm going to sign a huge deal to be in Las Vegas with the Raiders and I'm going to be their star and this is going to be amazing and it's a tough choice to leave here, but I'm going to do it. Gets all the money in the world. And then he comes out in this next era where he's the face of the team, really, even more so than Carr in a lot of ways. And the team just keeps losing and they're bad and he's never felt this way before and it's disappointing and it's never he's never tasted this it's always been winning 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 and he's supposed to be with his buddy from college they're just supposed to take the world by storm and they're going to win the AFC West and they're going to be better than the Chiefs and they're going to win the Super Bowl and just none of it is happening and then at the very very pinnacle of this frustration of this whole thing coming to light that oh my god this isn't working out and I'm on a crappy team that keeps losing you're in the heat of the battle and you're at Arrowhead. You're in the game that you were paid to win. You're playing a great game and you're like, I got this. This is going to be my moment. My whole career has come to this point. This is going to be one of the biggest wins of my career and I'm going to be make my employers proud and I'm Mr. Raider. The last couple of plays of the game, when all you need is a field goal to win the game. There's a play where you can't bring it in. It looks like you make this amazing catch, but they say you didn't. And then on the last play, they're going to go to you. You're going to save the team. You run into your teammate embarrassingly, just comically, fall down, ball drops, you lose, you lost by two to the Chiefs, go home, now you're on a bye week, you're not going to play for two more weeks, you're going to get all the same questions about why isn't this working, the team's a bunch of losers right now, you're mad, you're embarrassed, and you're just, you don't know what's become of your career in this season, and you just start walking off the field. And as this is all going through your head and it's all coming to a perfect storm and, and you're, you're screaming and you're, and you're inside your head and your mind's about to explode as your most angry, most stressed out, most embarrassed moment, just as you're coming into the tunnel where there's Chiefs fans hanging over the edge and they're yelling things at you and you just want to get right into that solitude of the darkness and the quiet in your own place where no one can bother you so you can punch a locker or do whatever you need to do. At that very moment, you're about to cross that threshold. Some person steps in front of you and cuts you off, almost like someone cutting you off in traffic, and you have to stop, and they kind of bump you, and you're just so mad, you just push. Get, get out of my way. And the person falls down, and you just walk off, and you stalk off, and in one second, like the whole image of you has changed. And this is the first time ever that any real negativity has happened to you. And it's like you, you, this expression that you hear sometimes is that it takes an entire lifetime to build up a reputation and one second to ruin it. And he knew immediately because I don't even think he was in the locker room five seconds and he immediately went and got his phone and tweeted out, oh my God, I'm so sorry I did this to this guy. Everybody, that's not me. First thing he says to the reporters, that's not me. That's not me. And it really is... It's a shame, and I, I give him no pass. I just told that whole story about how it's been great, and he has this terrible moment, but I still don't care. It's still totally Bush League. That description that I gave, I could give to hundreds of players who have had hundreds of tough losses, who have had hundreds of people walk in between them or in front of them or run up to them after a game, and you just don't push them. You don't put your hands on somebody, and he knows it. He made a terrible mistake. Terrible. And now it's just snowballing. So... I find it relatable in a way that I could do the same thing in my job or you could in yours. That you just have a terrible, terrible day and you make a terrible choice at the wrong moment and maybe it's something 
with a coworker or with HR or with someone out on the street. I have no idea, but it's on camera and everybody's seen it. And it's an interesting human story in that he just, he made a terrible, terrible decision at the worst possible moment. And this is a guy who otherwise has been so great. I give him no sympathy for it. I don't know. I just have, I, I, I guess I'm trying to have a little bit of empathy. But the fact is, he trucked a dude, watched him on the ground, and then was gone. What'd you say? Rappaport just tweeted? We got a breaking news. What'd he tweet? Oh, yeah. He says, all right, Ian Rappaport tweets, this just happened. Point of clarity on Raiders wide receiver Devontae Adams. He has been charged with a city ordinance violation, which is a little lower than a state misdemeanor assault charge per the prosecutor's office. Here we go. This carries with it a fine of $250 to $1,000 or up to 180 days in jail or both. All right, I'm not um, one of these legal experts, but that sounds to me like it's gonna be basically nothing, at least legally. We're not gonna go to this place where Devontae Adams is gonna go to jail. He does, he's apparently supposed to go in front of a judge, but the next wave is, does this dude just straight, like, full-on, let's go, lawyer up, I got the Raiders wide receiver with the massive contract, he is on camera assaulting me, and I'm going to get paid? Probably. I don't know. Where do you come out on that? Do you come out of, oh, man, well, this is a pathetically litigious society, everyone's looking for a handout, or do you say, this is a 29-year-old guy who is credentialed to be down there in the field, who was doing his job, who was probably bumped into Devontae because he was hustling at the end of the game, which had just ended dramatically, and he's trying to get over to where he's supposed to do his job, which is to take pictures or help someone else take pictures, and just in this terrible confluence of momentum and timing, I kind of got in the way of the star wide receiver, and he jacked me up, and I got knocked on the ground, and maybe I bumped my head, and then he walked right past me. So you know what? It was on ESPN. I'm now kind of famous. Everyone's talking about me. That's emotionally distressing me, and I want to be bleeping paid. I think that's probably where it'll go. I don't blame the guy. I don't. I don't think this is someone who's committing a fraud, who's doing some sort of scheme to get paid. I think the guy was trying to do his job, and he got knocked in the ground by a pro athlete. Mm. We gotta watch this. So, that's again, it's, it's, not, it's a Sydney ordinance violation. So we, we threw out that court date, November 10th, I think it was. That's a Thursday in the middle of an NFL week. I, I don't believe Devontae Adams is going to be in Missouri in court. There are ways to handle this. But of course, the easiest way to handle all of this is to write a big old check to this 29-year-old and value will never do it again and hope you win some games this year and people will talk about that. Crazy story. I like Devontae a lot as a player and a person. Bad moment, bad choice, just like that. Whole lifetime to build up a reputation. One second to ruin it. I don't think he ruined it, but it took a shot. That's what I hate. Let's uh, let's cleanse the palate as we like to do here. I'm going to throw a dart and we'll get into what's hilarious. I hit the wall. I'm going to put some dents in that wall. Let's go. All right. So uh, I mentioned there will not be a show tomorrow, but for I think a very good reason. My brother, Austin, is significantly younger than me. He's 11 years younger than me. So he's getting married next month in November. I'm the best man, which means I am the mater d' of sorts for the bachelor party. He comes to me a long time ago, nine months ago or something. And I said, what do you want to do? Where are we going? What do you want to do? You want to do Vegas? Nope. He says, I want to go to an SEC football tailgate. Let's go. Let's do it. So we identified a weekend that was going to work for he and for the principals involved. And we had a choice. We had a few choices, actually. The games that weekend 
which is this weekend, we could go to uh, University of Tennessee in Knoxville. We could go to Florida State in Tallahassee. We could go to Gainesville, uh, Florida, the Gators. Or we could go to Oxford, Mississippi and go to Ole Miss, home of the Grove and Hottie Toddy and all of that stuff. We chose Ole Miss. And we had Peyton Manning down in the basement a few weeks ago. He's like, oh, well, Ole Miss, man, that's a tough one. I got to go UT. I'm a UT guy. Personally, I think Peyton wanted to tell me Ole Miss, but he just is a UT guy, so he kept it straight. So here's the deal. Memphis, if you don't know, and I didn't know, Memphis is, Memphis, Tennessee, this cool southern city is like an hour and change from Oxford, Mississippi. So we're setting up in Memphis. That's going to be the hub and the giant uh, Airbnb with like 15 bros. And I'm just going to try to get there early and just claim a bed. You know, I'm like the senior citizen of the crew. So I'm not going to be the guy who is sleeping on the kitchen floor with a sweatshirt as a blanket. That's just not going to be me. I'm going to get the bed. So we get there. Whole weekend in Memphis. Barbecue. Booze. All the normal stuff. But most importantly. So I didn't know much about the world of SEC tailgating outside of what you would see on college game day or in some Food Network special where they go through and the guys lift up the grill hoods and they got brisket and rib tips and all that. I love this stuff, but I've never been there. And I know some of you have and probably a lot of you haven't. So let me just tell you what's hilarious is, is how great it is. It is exactly everything that you would imagine and hope. And the fact that I have a younger brother, I get to live vicariously again. I get to do like, this is almost like a pseudo second bachelor party for me. Mine was years ago in 2010. We rented an RV and like drove up through Wisconsin and did tubing and yard games. And just, I love Wisconsin. So that's where we were. This is like my second one. I get a second chance. So, uh, we want to do it well too. So they say that, uh, you can hire these companies to, it's not tailgating. Like you think, like you pull up a car and get out your Weber grill. No, 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 no. That, that is such bushly compared to this. There are companies. Sometimes I think maybe they're run by undergrads or maybe alums, young alums, that they will go the night before. If the game's on Saturday morning, they will go Friday, like at midnight, get there for you, claim the spot for you in the Grove, set up the tent, set up the giant TV with the cable hookup, coolers, tables, chairs, uh, cornhole, anything you want, and you just pull up, and there it is, turnkey. The drinks are cold, the TV is on, you got a great spot, it is just there for you. You enjoy it, you go to the game, you come back after the game, and then you're like, we're out of here. They take it all down, they pull it down. It's, it's, it sounds like the greatest thing of all time. Hottie Toddy Tents, that's the name of the company that we hired, and they're ready. So I talked to the guy at Hottie Toddy Tents, and it is like, you take a, it, it is just a movie character, this person. And I mean that in the best possible way. You talk to him or you text him, and it's like, yeah, y'all want to have a great time. And, oh, I think we'll, you'll get into some fun down here. Like, it's someone, a very good actor doing an impression of, like, a southern good old boy, but it's the real thing. So, the food. This is the food that we're into. <laughs> so, this guy, my guy at Hottie Toddy Tents, he tells me, well, I like a place called uh, Lady Catherine. Lady Catherine is the name of the place. But I also like Taylor Grocery, and I'm a Southern boy, so they got all, Taylor Grocery has all the Southern classics. Now, I pull up the menu for these things. You wouldn't believe it. Lady Catherine is this charming tailgate place. Just, I'm looking at the menu right now, okay? They got, just look, something called sausage balls. You can buy 90 sausage balls for $49. Crumbled patty sausage with grated cheddar cheese and biscuit batter. (laughs) Um... 
Then they got something, all right, grilled pork tenderloin sliders, cocktail croissant sandwiches, chicken bacon ranch sliders on Hawaiian rolls. You could get 24 of them for 50 bucks, served warm. We couldn't do Lady Catherine. It just wasn't happening. Plus, he said that he was the Taylor grocery guy. Can I tell you what I'm going to eat this Saturday? I'll tweet pictures of it. Taylor grocery. This is apparently the spot. I'm going to eat something called (laughs) Mississippi farm-raised catfish filet nuggets. That is is six words. $89.95 gets me, I think, like 30 pounds of Mississippi farm-raised catfish filet nuggets served with hush puppies and tartar sauce. Then I'm going to get, and I got this too. This is what it says here on the Taylor grocery menu. Pulled pig meat. (laughs) which I think is just pork, but they, it's pecan-smoked pig meat, and I think we get a trough of that that I'm going to jump into like Uncle Scrooge. Then I'm going to get the brisket, sausage and cheese platter. We ordered all this stuff. How many cheeses do you think they got in their Mac? Go ahead and take a guess. Do they do a two-cheese Mac, a three-cheese Mac? These guys do a five-cheese Mac. How many, American cheddar, I don't know what the, five, we got that. And then we got buffalo chicken dip, and they even make their own crackers. You can get something called fire crackers. This is the tailgate at Ole Miss. Saltine crackers marinated in a zesty southern blend of spices. Great for dips or spreads, or just by themselves. Bags of 50, I think I bought five bags. I'm going to stuff my face so much, and that is before, never mind the football. Ole Miss is playing Auburn. Ole Miss is undefeated. They've beaten two ranked teams. Auburn, not so hot. I think they're 3-3. Three and three. They might blow the doors off and will just allow us to leave early and go stuff our face with more firecrackers and pig meat. That's what's going to happen. So, Lane Kiffin, I love you. We're coming. Uh, Ole Miss football, we love you. We're coming. DK Metcalf, Eli Manning, Dawson Knox, A.J. Brown, all the crew, we're coming we're going to stuff our face with pig meat like you wouldn't even believe it. I'm going to have it coming out my ears. And we actually I actually talked to Kirk Herbstreit was on Good Morning Football. Herbie. And obviously, like, he's been to every amazing college campus scene, every tailgate. He could write a book on it and probably will or has already. And I'm like, so Herbie, Ole Miss, is, is this the one? Because I'm going for my brother's bachelor party. Like, get me excited about it. Here's how it went. Next weekend, in exactly nine days, I will be at my brother's bachelor party, which is taking miss at old, uh, taking place at Ole Miss Auburn in the Grove. Uh, oh, Kirk, I'm just wow. I'm in love with you. I'm going to be wow. out of my mind. I'm not going to be on this planet. Oh. Is that the best tailgate in the world? And if not, what is? Tell us. Dude, you are going. Have you ever? You've never been there. You've never been there. Never been. Nope. Never been. I can't wait. I want to talk. I, well, I have to get your I number because I need to. I need to hear your story after you. I can't imagine you, of all people. If you survive, it's a win for you. I mean, you are going to be out of your mind. I'm telling you, you've never seen tailgating like this in your life. The Grove, first of all, the way they get into the Grove, on on Friday, it just looks like a park. Trees and grass. And then Saturday morning, I think they they hire people to kind of run in there at midnight and everybody claims their their space. And then these tents just arise and then they have chandeliers inside these tents. It's almost like an apartment, these tents. It is insane. I've never seen anything like that. That's it. Now, 
we did not opt for the chandelier option. I would have done it for sure, but Hadi Tadi tends to not offer a chandelier option, just offer everything else. And that's Herbie. And he's like, yeah, you know, tailgating, you're going to drink and there's food, but he lit up. He's like, dude, you've never been. And to his point, if you survive, that's a win. So here's what I'll tell you folks. We're going to bus in Saturday morning on a, like a, a party bus. God knows what these young kids listen to, their e-music or whatever the hell from, you know, Ultra in Miami. And we're going to bus in. We're going to do like nine hours of eating and drinking the filleted crawfish or whatever the hell it is, and then bus back. Can you imagine the disgusting scene on that bus back, what it's going to be like? And my question is, I am a leader in this. I'm not the groom. That's my boy. That's my brother. But I am the best man. So should I lead in the sense of set an example? Should I be like the Obi-Wan Kenobi and be like, let's just chill. Let's get everyone on the bus. Should I be the Anakin? Just be on the dark side of the force. Be like, let's get after it. Like full Frank the Tank. I also have to be wary of I'm going to be surrounded by frat boys probably and co-eds in other sense. Like I was born in the 70s. I got I, like I have a full amount of gray on the side of my hair that's just freaking creeping in like poly walnuts. I'm very aware of the creep factor, the cringe factor, all of that of like who's with the grandpa like just asking us if we want to do fireball shots. Can't do that. I'll stay in my shoes, I think, but it's going to be crazy. I also have that, like, I'm a suburban dad and I get to let my hair down in the college campus. I, I think I'll be all right, but I'm so excited. Can you tell? Can you tell? That's this weekend. That's why there will be no Kyle Brand's basement tomorrow. But the good news is I come back with stories, my friends. And you definitely want to follow me on the social because I'll be posting. And if I post stuff that looks ill-advised, it's because I'm out of my mind. That's it. That's what's hilarious. We got to move on now because we're going to try something new, just like us this weekend. Hotty toddy, baby. A lot of times we give out the phone number here and we say, call. We got an actual answering machine down here with a cassette tape and everything. And we check the messages and we usually want to hear about things you want to confess in your family, whether you're a wife or husband or parent or child or whatever and say, man, I really messed this up. That's family confession. That's not this. Today we decided, screw it. Let's just toss the phone number to the people, like we're chucking them shrimp at Benihana. And let's just say, give us a take. Give us a take on anything. Your thoughts about football, life, anything, marriage, sex, food, sports, politics. We'll just take it. I've not heard these messages. I promise you. They've been screened by the Kyle Brand's Basement staff. I have not heard them. I'm hearing them for the first time with you. Again, this is going to social media and saying, leave us a message about anything. We got a lot of them. Apparently, we're going to play three, and the first one comes from, uh, I, I assume it's a guy, DJ in Kansas City. Let's listen for the very first time to what he felt compelled to call us and share with us at Kyle Brandt's basement. Go ahead. I had a moment yesterday that uh, made me realize I'm now old and that I suck. Uh, I went to a concert in Kansas City. Been looking forward to it for months. Kansas City concert supposed to start at 7.30 p.m. sharp. We all know bands come out late. I'm immediately annoyed. Do I get a beer? No. Why? Because I'm afraid I'm going to pee too many times during the show. Uh, encore, should I be happy? Yes. Was I? No. Why? Because it was past 11 o'clock and I was tired. Getting old sucks. Curious to know what aha moments you've had uh, in getting old. See ya. DJ, thanks for the call. Thanks for the message. That's awesome. I only, the only thing I don't like about the call, I wish he had told us who the band was. It just leaves us to guess. If I'm guessing DJ is, I don't know, how old are you, DJ, 42? Are you maybe 46? I'll tell you what made me think 46. It's not that you thought 
you know, I want to go to bed or that, oh man, they're playing an encore. I'll tell you what, it was, you don't want to get the beer because you don't want to pee. <laughs> Dude, I get it. You're, you're stuck there. It's a catch 22. You're like, I need to be more intoxicated. I, I need to pound like a, a $14, 16 ounce domestic now. And yet, I know that I'm going to have to go to the stupid men's room and there's four songs I like from this band and I'm going to miss two of them because I'm going to be standing in the line with the, all the other nudniks who had to get the domestic beer. That, to me, seems a little bit older. I totally hear you. I wonder who the band was. I don't know who's touring right now, but I'm going to say that AJ is definitely like late 80s, early 90s music. I mean, you weren't at like... Never mind, this is an early night. You weren't at like a Journey concert, were you, with the, the new singer? I can see that. Look, I'm, I'm not frowning on it. I just, I just really want to know the concert. I hear you, man. That's why I, look, when I go to the concerts now, oh, there's a guest. You think it's AWOL Nation Falling Forward Tour? I don't know what that is. But, um, oh, okay, la- all, right, this, all right, that's why. So the staff is telling me, Last night, 7.30 p.m. in Uptown Theater in Kansas City, Missouri, which AJ was calling from. Who's on the AWOL Nation? Is that a band? Falling for? I don't, I've never heard of AWOL Nation. Um, but if they were playing last night, maybe that was it. If they were playing, was that worth it? Like, you, you, you couldn't miss AWOL Nation? I, I, maybe they have a huge following. I don't know them. I love this, DJ. I was, very, I was charmed by that call. And my solution is when I go to concerts, I don't mess with the beer. I just, just hammer it on the hard stuff beforehand. So then you don't even need the beer. And you, maybe you have one for sipping, but you don't need it medicinally. Next, let's go to the next call. That's a tough act to follow. Um, someone, from, someone from Minnesota. So we're going to the upper Midwest. This is Peyton. Peyton from Minnesota decided to call us. And they're like, Kyle Brands Basement needs to hear this call. I've never heard it before. Let's hear it now. I've got one that's pretty recent. I've talked to a couple people recently Uh about this, and they share my same thoughts, so I'm wondering about your thoughts. But I hate when people call me buddy. It just feels really demeaning. Um, feels like they feel like they're better than me. I'm okay with other, like bud or pal. Those are acceptable. Obviously, bro or dude is great. But I just hate when people call buddy. It's the easiest way for me to dislike someone if I've just met them for the first time. I feel like it's only okay if you're like a Navy SEAL or 100 years old. So I'm from Minnesota, so I'm not going to do anything about it. But that's just something that makes me very annoyed when people call me buddy. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on it and if you're okay with people calling you buddy or bud or pal or whatever. Thanks. That's a good call, too. I, I like, well, <laughs> hidden gem in there is Peyton saying, look, I'm from Minnesota, so I'm not going to do anything about it. I translate as that as, uh, I'm a very friendly person, so I'm not going to kick your ass for calling me buddy, which is a funny take. <laughs> I, I, I love Minnesota people. I work with them now. Jamie Erdahl to my left is born and raised in Minnesota. She's very friendly. Um, I, I hear where you're coming in with the buddy. That's a first person experience for mine. I don't know if you know Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker is in football media. I'm sure you do know him. He's on Dan Patrick all the time. He has his own successful podcast. He played in the NFL for a while in Tom Brady Patriots teams and Drew Bledsoe Bills teams, offensive lineman. Ross Tucker is a lifelong friend of mine, roommates, uh, fraternity brothers, massive, massive, like one of my best friends in the world. When I met him in the summer of 1997, Ross is a huge nerd for football. So like when we came in as freshmen in college, he was a lineman, I was a running back. 
he had already memorized every kid's name in our class, every, every position they played, what high school they went to, the high school mascot, what their stats were. He just loves that stuff. So he knew all about me. He knew that I was Kyle and I was from Chicago and I did this and that and I was an Aquarius and all that. I didn't, I didn't know anybody. So for like the first week that we were like going through camp together as freshmen entering college, I would see him constantly because he's 6'5", and he, I'd always be like, he'd always be like, hey, what's up, Kyle? And I would always say, what's up, buddy? How you doing, buddy? How you doing, buddy? Not to mess with him, just because I was insecure and naive and a little nervous. And after a while, he's like, there's Kyle. Kyle, you don't know my name. That's why he just always called me buddy. So he hates it. We, we still talk about that. This is 25 years ago, more than that. And he hates it when I call him buddy. There is something that's patronizing and condescending. Um that is different than, what's up, dude? What's up, man? I, I, I'm a big dude or man guy, including in all my texts and emails. Hey, man, thanks, man. A buddy is tough. It is, uh, and, and there's something flippant about it. Yeah, hey, buddy, how you doing? It, it's kind of like, hey, why don't you park this car for me, buddy? It, it, I'm with you on that, Peyton. It, it is an annoying thing. I just want to make sure we're on the same page, though. Like, I am terrible with names, and everybody says that. I actually think I have a problem with it. Anytime we do anything socializing, which I'm also bad at, we're just walking up to any couple. And this could be a couple we've seen 5,000 times. And as we're walking up to the couple, I'm like hitting Brooke and I'm going, what's her name, what's her name, what's her name, what's her name? And she'll be like, it's Kevin and Allison. We had dinner with them last night. And I, if we can't have that exchange, they'll all, it always goes like this. Hey, Kyle. And I, what's up, dude? And they know I don't know their name. As casually as you try to say, I'll try to be like, dude, what's up? And they'll say, if they say my name and I don't say theirs, they know I don't know their name. So I struggle with that personally. But I will tell you this, Peyton, I don't sub in the B word, as you call it. So that's good. Let's all agree that stop calling people that name. There's a you could, Chief, Broham, whatever. You can do anything. I just don't do that. Peyton, it's a great call. I appreciate you, buddy. Uh, one more. They say this next one's going to bring us home. This, this one is... Um, he did not give a name. He did not give a city. I wonder if that is a, a, something of a warning to what the content of this call is. But I promise you, I've not heard it. Last call, who called 252, the number four, and Brant to leave a message. Bring us home. What do you got? Yes, hello. We need to get rid of the bird exhibit at zoos. Nobody needs to see birds at the zoo. It's a waste of time and it's stupid. <laughs> that's the call <laughs> that call did not have an ounce of fat on it in passionate succinct relevant um i love that call point to the lie guys you go to the zoo <laughs> i live really close to one of the best zoos in america the bronx zoo amazing zoo they got live tigers, they got giant, all kinds of stuff that my kids like. Wonderful around the holidays. Can you imagine? <laughs> you pull up to the zoo, you pay God knows what for parking, God knows what for admission. You got a stroller, you can't bring snacks in, ma'am, you can't bring drinks. It's, it's 40,000 degrees and you say, so what should we see first? And you get that map out, and they have the little icon, little symbol, like, ooh, that looks like a lion, and the elephants, and zebras, and, and oh my gosh, is that a white tiger? Hold on. Wait a tick. Wait a tick. 
says they got a great bird exhibit here. <laughs> Check it out. It's just a huge cage with tiny birds that are smaller than my phone flying around or not flying around or just sitting there. Oh, that sounds terrible. Like, we could just go in the front yard and see birds. Oh, but wait. There's other ones where they have, like, a huge beak and their white wings and they, they don't do squat and they make annoying noises and they don't do anything. You know, I've never thought about it before, but they do seem to take up a... Who are, it just occurred to me. Is there not a um, small but passionate bird-watching community in the United States where maybe they go there and they get off on the birds? Like, they're like... Phew. Tigers, who cares? I've seen tigers when I was a kid. I am a sophisticated bird watcher. I have $700 binoculars. You don't understand. That uh, red-bellied, uh, whatever the hell, I don't know the names of exotic birds. That, that is a, there aren't, there aren't 300 of them in this country right now. We're seeing one right there. Not only am I going to the bird exhibit, I'll spend all day here. I'd move in here if they let me. There's bird guy out there who's into birds. That's not me, but I think to him... The elephants are to him like the birds are to you and me. So I will grant you this. I, that seems to be a small percentage of the population who is, who is just like, listen, man, I'm here to see some bleeping birds. That's all I want to see. I love them. They do it for me. I like the way their sounds. I like the way that they fly. I envy them. I want to be a bird. Fine. But I, I, I do think that there should be a smaller allocation of the zoo real estate to birds. And by smaller, I mean about the size of Kyle Brandt's basement, which is like 10 by 8 feet. That's it. Just put in a couple exotic birds, the rest of the people. I, you know, then there's the freaks who want the reptiles. At least the reptiles will give you the willies. At least you can see some sort of, you know, uh, albino Burmese python or something. That's crazy, and it's scary, and it's gross, and it stinks in there, and it's all sweaty in the reptile house. At least you get some sort of titillation from that. Birds are useless. I love that guy. I would, have wished, I, would have, I would have, wish he would have left his name. That's further known as the Birdman. And Birdman, if you're listening to this, and I know you are, give us more takes. You should be a recurring caller in this 2524 Brant thing. Hates birds. I love it. I, of all the things that take could have been, I didn't see, why do we have birds and zoos coming? It's awesome. I love it. Um, let's go to Brant Awareness, though. Sam Pepper, big bird guy. Let's get him in here. Uh, Sam, you could tell me that Tom Brady has decided to retire and run for president, and I don't care. I first need your thoughts on that guy's thoughts on birds and zoos. I mean, it's pretty brilliant. Pretty brilliant. I, I feel like he's ruling out penguins, though. Penguins are wonderful mm. zoo birds. I, I love the penguin exhibit, but I'm with him 100%. And I doubt the birdwatching community is going there because I feel like part of the thrill of bird watching is that you're you know you're on the chase for those birds not the birds are brought yeah. to you yeah i think they probably dry up most of the bird community outside their <laughs> property and they go to get their jollies at the zoo but you do raise an interesting point because my daughter uh and the bird thing my, my daughter's a big flamingo girl and sometimes we'll go to a zoo in florida and they have flamingos so I don't know if that the gentleman who remains nameless, just we're just calling him Birdman, if he was uh, also including, to your point, penguins, uh, uh, flamingos, like owls. Owls are kind of interesting, like Harry Potter and stuff, but I hope that guy calls again. We, uh, You have great takes. There, whatever your name is, it should be Birdman's Basement. He should have his own show produced by Omaha. What's in the headlines, Sam? 
All right. Well, uh, natural transition. <laughs> There's no good transition sure. to this headline. But on Sunday, you had plenty of questions regarding the sideline attention that the Giants' Darnay Holmes was getting from a trainer. Mm-hmm. Well, from the fans' camera angle, it looked rather interesting, obviously. But, well, Holmes is taking matters into his own hands, so to say, tweeting that he's turning the image into an NFT. Kyle, what are your thoughts? That's it. God bless this country. That, that's why we live in the United States of America. That's my thought. NFT... A non-fungible token, right? Sure, the, it, it, he he doesn't have that. He doesn't act like he has this massive uh, NFL career necessarily. Future, there's nothing that if you don't spin it right, can't be profitable. I mean, the cash me outside. How about that girl? I, I, from what I understand, she has multiple Ferraris, and she has decided to take her talents to certain parts of the internet, in which people are willing to pay for it. And God bless her. Do you remember, Pepper, do you remember um, Hot Felon? <laughs> do you remember that guy? Where no. he had like the best looking headshot of all time. It was this guy who was going to jail and he was booked. And he just he just took this great picture and he was unbel- He looked like a Calvin Klein model. And he became really famous and he was a felon in prison. And I don't know what became of him. We should probably look into that. But uh, I think he might have profited from his thing. So, listen... I still don't know why. I saw an explanation that the Giants injury tent was being used, so he needed a vigorous thigh and or groin massage. I still don't have answers why at least half of his buttocks was hanging out. I don't know. I don't know why that's the case, but if he's making a buck off it, that's fine. Look, somebody playing receiver for the Giants needs to do something, right? I would think so. I would think so. Um, but good for Darnay Holmes. America's a great country. Yeah. Speaking of why America's a great country, we have some fast food uh-huh. news. The 22nd okay. annual drive through study was conducted, and the fastest drive through time in America goes to KFC. It's an average of 302.6 seconds. Okay. Uh, ranking last on the top 10 list was Chick-fil-A at 509.1 seconds. What's your biggest takeaway from all this? What do you think of the? How do you think this works, Sam? You think they start the clock uh, when you place the order into the speaker box, and then you you stop it as you are handed your bag of piping hot grease? I guess that's what it is. I and don't think so. Taco, I don't think what so. Do you think? I, I, th- I think it has to start a little earlier. My gut is that you know part of the drive-through experience when you're complaining about it is how long it takes to get to that order box. So I feel like that has yeah. to be factored in as soon as you enter the line. Listen, I've had some experiences driving through at Chick-fil-A. We go up to the Poconos there. We go up to the Great Wolf Lodge, which is a whole different conversation and is an indoor water park that just turns into uh, an uh, exhibition of bad tattoos and purple toenails on people. It's disgusting. But we stop at the the Chick-fil-A drive-thru, very efficient. And even if it's not as efficient... You, you, the, the service with a smile does it for me. I mean, it, it makes it feel like it go fast. They're so happy about that, probably because they don't have to work Sundays. But, like, I, I feel like it's great, and it's also worth it. Like, we're not even incorporating here, like, okay, maybe Burger King's fast, but then, like, I, I mean, I don't know who our sponsor is, but, like, Burger King is just not my thing. Uh, Chick-fil-A is delicious. Taco Bell doesn't surprise me that it would be fast, because I've seen those folks, and they got that that sour cream Tommy gun. They just go, and they have six tacos right in front of you. I think this not it does, my only surprise is I would think that the Chick Fil A would be much faster. Um, I'm not sure, Sam. Your takeaway on this? Were you surprised by the top of the list? Let's see the list one more time too. I wasn't surprised personally. Um, I 
I didn't have many expectations going in. I'm, I try not to be a fast food guy. My my gut is that anything that happens, uh, there's a lot of Chick Fil A's uh, mainly in the South. Um, yeah. There's maybe a little bit a little less slower. of a rush in the you know <laughs> non in those environments. So you know maybe maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. That could be the explanation, but I'm All not right. sure. I would like to propose a further study, and I would like to put a stopwatch on which fast food, when it loses its heat and warmth, sucks the fastest. In other words, you get the piping hot bag, and it goes from being like, this is the most delicious thing I've ever had, to by the time you get home and the fries are cold, they're actually inedible. You can't do it. I have a theory on it, and it's somewhere down the bottom of this list, uh, right between 8 and 10. But again, I don't know who our sponsor is, and I want to slight them. But there's some magic that goes away when you lose the heat, and I don't care what the fast the drive-through is. It's a matter of how fast you drive home or just do it while you eat. This is a fascinating one. I love. I just love seeing Arby's anywhere. They have the meats, and apparently they have a pretty fast time too. But Taco Bell officially, the uh, I guess like the John Ross or Chris Johnson of the drive-throughs. God bless them. You know, uh, live Moss, as they say. What else? Speaking of Moss, what else, Pepper? All right. Well, finally, a couple days ago, we spoke about how Neil deGrasse Tyson called out Top Gun Maverick for being unrealistic, specifically when Tom Cruise was ejected from the plane. Well, retired American astronaut Scott Kelly disagreed, tweeting to Neil that it depends on his altitude. I was going Mach 25 when I left the International Space Station on a spacewalk, and that was just fine. And then he tweeted, to be clear, at the end, at the altitude at which a Mach 10 hypersonic aircraft would be flying, the ejection would be very survivable. The re-entry into the atmosphere is just a pressure suit, not so much. Your thoughts, Kyle? I love it, and I love Scott Kelly. I believe Scott Kelly is the astronaut who has an identical twin, and I think either he or the twin was on Jeopardy, and they happened to be on Jeopardy the same time that Aaron Rodgers was a contestant on Jeopardy, not a host. This is years ago. So he's always been on my radar, and I like that he has an identical twin because they did a study where they studied their internal organs and their their growth and development as they get older to see if there's differences for being in space for a long time, being regular. But also, I just I, I, I basically love anybody checking DeGrasse Tyson, who the world decided 10 years ago, I think, that he's just the smartest person in the world. And believe me, he could run circles around me, but every once in a while, you just need a little ego check. Just, hey, DeGrasse Tyson, DeGrasse Jr. High, and you're not right about everything, okay? Uh, I read a thing once that DeGrasse Tyson said once, if the world were to stop spinning on its axis, and he painted this brilliant portrayal of how we would all just go careening in a million miles an hour into the next thing and all just instantly explode. <laughs> and it had my attention, don't get me wrong. But can you just leave the Top Gun alone? I always hate when there's this, some poindexter who'll come in and he'll get clicks by pointing out something in a movie that would never happen. Like I remember when the Christian Bale Batman movies were big, there was some scientist who said like, now hold on, you mean to tell me that he's got this this grappling hook and this thing attached to his belt and it could propel a 190 pound man up there that would never but yeah but, okay thank you but he's got to get away from the joker so he needs it it's a movie we know that luke skywalker couldn't really shoot proton torpedoes into the porthole of the death star it's not much bigger than two meters it'd be difficult to do but he has the force i just hate that and because i feel like it's very self-serving they do it for clicks so degrasse tyson makes the rounds and top gun is the biggest movie of the decade so we decide to just get in there and just slide it so look, that guy's like, hey, what are you, some sort of physicist or something? I've been to space. I've actually been <laughs> up there. I have more credibility than you, 
dummy. So I like it. it. It's two heavyweights going at it. Are you Team Tyson on this, Pepper? I feel like you're zagging on me. No, I'm not. I'm not zagging. I'm. I'm just open to always seeming uh, being being made smarter. So I like Neil deGrasse Tyson. That being yeah. said, stay away from Top Gun. I'm with you. Stay away from Top Gun. Before we go though, hot yeah. mugshot guy. I got a. I uh, got some info. Yeah, what from, do you got? What's uh, up, Michael Flynn? He's convicted on federal charges of being a felon in possession of a firearm and grand theft in 2014. Upon okay. his release from Mendota Federal Correctional Institution in March 2016, Meeks began a modeling career. Meeks yep. made his feature film debut in 2020 with the BET streaming feature Trigger. So that's what I got on Meeks, hot mugshot guy. Um, All right. And I just want to keep. Does you it look as like he's keeping his nose clean? He's he's not back to his old life or anything like that. Well, we got two years gap in the Wikipedia page, and I, I know <laughs> nothing gets by nothing gets by the Wikipedia page. So, uh, you know. Well, Sam, as a sports producer, you know better than anybody that when you pull up someone's Wikipedia that you vouched for, and you see that <laughs> section that says legal troubles, you're like, ah, damn it! Because then you're yeah. like, where is this going? And so, thankfully, we didn't have much more of that. But if you've told a host before or someone on there. Yeah, we should have this person. You should really vouch for them. And then, you know, maybe I should give a quick wiki. And there's this expansive <laughs> legal trouble section. I've been there before. Have you? Yeah, I, I have, sadly. I have. Although now before I check, <laughs> because of that, now I check everybody's wiki. Now you page. check. All right. Now I check. Well, thank you, Pepper. God's work today. You talked about hot felon and bird people and all kinds of stuff. It's just that kind of show. And what do we do? We end it with something way more conventional, me throwing a dart. Have a good weekend, Pepper. I'll be down stuffing my face with pig meat. Uh, go to the sky cam. I'm going to get a dart because I already threw them all during the show. You know how this works. Oh, back just ain't what it used to be. I'm going to throw a dart, whatever number it hits. Uh, it, I will talk about the corresponding topic on the list as I say goodbye. I hope it does hit a number. My accuracy has been as bad as it's been on the free throws lately, and I'm missing the entire dartboard. Ready? Wish me luck. This one's for you, DeGrasse Tyson, right on your butt. There you go. Nope, didn't hit a number. I told you. Hold on. This one will. This one will. Maybe I shouldn't be talking to Neil. Here we go. There we go. And barely made it, but it's a 13. What's topic number 13 on the list? Go through the top 10. It's not there. There's 13. Favorite coach ever. Hmm. What do you think, uh, Michael Flynn? Should I talk about my own actual coaches or like I always loved Mike Ditka? Where should I take this? Well, let's, let's talk about it. Give me an idea. He thinks I should talk about coaches that I really like. Well, I think the coach that always cracks me up the most, um, I used to have this VHS tape that I'm sure a lot of you had in the 90s, and the NFL released a tape, and it was called NFL Rocks. And it was just a highlight tape, it was really cool, it was probably 45 minutes long or something, but there was a bunch of songs, like there's Bon Jovi on it, and there's Elton John, and there's like, what's the, you ain't seen nothing yet, b -b -b baby, who is that, whoever that is, that's on there, and it was just awesome highlights, and it was like really violent highlights from the 80s and 90s when the hitting was just crazy. But there was a lot of mic'd up stuff too, and the guy who always used to crack me up on that tape was Jerry Glanville. You know Jerry Glanville? Some of the young people probably don't, but he was a longtime coach. I remember him mostly as being the coach of the Falcons. He was the coach of the Falcons during some Dion years and during... Uh-oh, my alarm's going off. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to keep talking Jerry Glanville. He was the coach of the Falcons during the Dion years 
and uh, during Brett Favre's rookie year. And for a while, like, he wore a cowboy hat on the sidelines, which people used to do. He wore cowboy boots, and he was a total loose cannon. And he used to mic him up talking to the officials. And when I was 12 years old, they'd play the clips of him saying things like, Man, NFL, that stands for not for long. If you make those crappy calls like that, man, I'm going to be out here. I'm going to be bagging groceries. And that sounds so pedestrian now, but when I was 12 in the early 90s, I thought it was hilarious. So, listen, there's some great coaches now, a bunch of guys that I love in the league now, but I loved Jerry Glanville back in the day, especially with the Falcons. It's one of those things, if you know, you know. And here's what I know. I'm going to the southern part of the country tomorrow. I'll be at LaGuardia tomorrow afternoon. Come say hi. I'll be at Memphis all weekend, with the exception of the time that I'll be spending all of Saturday in Oxford, Mississippi. If you see me, if you see a tent with a bunch of bros and one guy who's way older, come say hi. I got pig meat. I got crawfish, crayfish, whatever the hell it is. I got all kinds of drinks. Come say hi. Uh, party with us. I'll be there. Hotty toddy. Guys, we'll be back Sunday night with a recap of what is an amazing NFL weekend. In the meantime, thank you. Love you. Goodbye from the basement.